0: One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, You name it, we are there. And of course, check out LibertyBallers.com for all your Sixers needs We're less than a week now before training camp kicks off. Lots to discuss. Joining me today, Paul Hudrick, Dave Early, both writers for Liberty Ballers. Now, the big news, Woj coming out with a tweet. And when it comes from Woj, it's like, okay, Clutch has told them this is coming out now because this is officially official, is that the Sixers have been told that Ben Simmons will not report for the opening of training camp and intends to never play another game for the franchise. Uh, Woj says that Simmons hasn't talked to the team since the late August meeting when he did communicate that to the Sixers brass, uh, adding to that Woj said Simmons is aware of the sanctions available to the organization to find and suspend him. I'm quoting here, including withholding of salary, uh, as we've mentioned before, that could get up to 1.3 million in fines for missing uh, all the training camp could get more as we get into the season and Woj adds, but so far Simmons appears willing to carry out a plan of forcing his way to a new team, Sixers have yet to find a trade they're willing to make for him. All right, let's hop onto this. First, Paul, when you saw this news breaking, and it just happened within the last hour or so here, was there any part of you that said, man, I-, I thought that Simmons could be on the roster or at least maybe a report to the team at some point? Or was this kind of like, all right, thank God, this is out of the way, we got to find a trade to move
0: on? To me, my first reaction was, I uh- I saw it as a response to some of the stuff that came out last week. Uh, I know Tom Moore had the report that the Sixers believe he will eventually show up uh, and and be a part of the team. And they they were going to wait him out if a trade that that didn't come to fruition. So to me, this is just I mean, this is the game, right? I mean, this is what these sides do. One side reports. Oh, well, you know, they, they think he'll eventually show up and everything. You know, they'll try to smooth things out. And this is basically Ben Simmons camp saying, no, we will not be smoothing things out. Uh, We want to be gone. We want to move on. And I think what you're going to see is that the stance is just going to get stronger from both sides. So, I mean, we are, this is like truly a stalemate to me. Um, Like if if we're wondering which side is going to blink first, I'm not sure that either side will, Uh, at least at this point, it does not appear as though that's the case. It appears Ben Simmons is intent on not reporting the camp. And as Woj kind of mentioned there, and is, is from what I've been told is that the Sixers aren't going to budge either they are only going to make a trade, if that trade makes them a title contender or increases their chances of becoming a title contender, the idea of a step trade seems very unappealing to them they, they don't want to draft pick heaven heavily heavy package that they could then move they're not interested in that they want. They want it now. They want a, a a a if they're gonna trade Ben Simmons, they want a deal that can make them better now. And really, quite frankly, as we've seen all these reports, it's just not out there. Uh, when you look at all, all these teams around the league, um, whether it's you know the Timberwolves, whether it's the Kings, or you know any of these teams, it's just that package doesn't seem to exist that is going to make the Sixers better right now. Um, they can keep holding out for Damian Lillard. Uh, I know Mark Stein just reported you know another another name that they could be looking to kind of hold out for is De'Aaron Fox. Uh, to me, I I don't see that happening, at least in the near future uh, with Fox, maybe not ever at all. I kind of don't see that happening. So yeah, uh, it's just, uh, uh, it's just another wrinkle to me. And like, I, I, I as I just wrote for Liberty Ballers on, on the site right now, it's, this is, it's getting uglier. I feel like with each passing kind of barb that's being traded and I don't foresee it getting any less ugly with media day on Monday and and training camp starting. And, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what, you know, if, if Daryl Morey does make himself available to us and, you know, obviously Doc Rivers will speak on media day just to see the response and kind of where the organization is. And yeah, it's like I said, it's a situation that's ugly that I think has the potential to get even uglier.
1: Yeah. It's going to, I'm with you on that. I think that, you know, Monday, you know, media days is, is right around the corner. So, um, you know, going to see how the Sixers respond to this, and they're going to be asked a ton of questions. Um, you know, we'll be able to, to kind of get gauge their responses to what they're being asked. But Dave, I want to ask you this too. You're looking at this, and, and Paul, you had mentioned, okay, maybe a Damian Lillard trade, maybe a De'Aaron Fox trade. But again, I, I don't think it's likely that the Kings move on from Fox either. They seem pretty committed to him being the guy there in, in, in Sacramento. And, but when you're looking at this for those two deals to even possibly come to fruition, you're going to have to get into the season to see if these teams struggle. So Dave, when you're looking at this and and, and seeing the news come out from Woj, uh early on, on a, on a Tuesday morning, when you're looking at this, well, where do you think is next for Daryl Morey? Do you think this, this adds any layer of pressure on him or do you think he should still be able to sit back and be patient with this deal? Uh, Can I just
2: say yes, because it's so complicated and I don't really know the answer. I would say what I expect is maybe he'll do what we saw him do the last time that I guess Simmons camp escalated this, you know, when we saw the Keith Pompey report that he did indeed plan to hold out, I guess over the next week or two after that, we saw some stuff from the Sixers saying like, well, we're, we're expecting him to report uh, if you were in his shoes, you probably want to sell the idea. First of all, you got to talk to like management and make sure you have their blessing for whatever you're on board with. If they're saying, look, we don't want to be in the news, just get rid of this. That forces his hand and he's gonna have to take a package that he has been thus far unwilling to take. But if they say, Hey, look, just call them back and let them know he can sit out for four years, we're not gonna be bullied, then he could at least take that public facing position and try to utilize use it for leverage in any negotiations, but it's not a, it's not a good spot to be in. It does feel like when, when we talk about how many ways the Sixers could have won that series. I mean, there's so many areas, so many little butterfly things that could have led to them winning the series. And then maybe they're not in this particular, uh, what would Sam Hickey call it a zoom where every chest move you make makes you a little bit less, uh, Chance of winning.
1: I didn't hear that quote. What was it? What was the quote on that?
2: Oh, uh, years ago. I think it was in his exit manifesto where he said uh, a swang is when any chess move you make makes your position weaker.
1: Uh, you know, and I I I would agree with that. Now, if you're looking at this because this is a weird position for the Sixers to be in. Right. And and we're seeing it a lot more, especially over the last decade in terms of player empowerment. And, you know, I think it really did start with, with LeBron, you know, in the decision back in, in 2011, where it was kind of like, these guys are, are going to take their own futures into their own hands. I, I, I don't remember the last time in the NBA, you saw a guy who's a perennial all-star, you know, this young, 25 years old, uh, four years left on his deal. And just being like, dude, I ain't coming. You know what I mean? Like you guys can do whatever you want. So I think this makes it such a such a precarious situation for the Sixers and for for Daryl Morey. So uh, Paul, when you're when you're looking at this now, how, how do you ultimately think this is going to play out? Like, are the Sixers just going to have to take a deal at that, like you mentioned, like a bridge deal that hey, we can get a treasure chest of picks, look to move those during the season if a guy like Dame or Bradley Beal becomes available, or are you looking at this and thinking? okay, you know what, Daryl Morey, this guy's, you know, your second best player on your team. He's, he's obviously a, a huge piece. How does he approach this now? And how much does this impact the Sixers to start the season?
0: Yeah. I mean, like, like, just to go back to what you touched on
1: this, this is completely
0: unprecedented. This has never happened like this, uh, 25 year old with four years, a max contract. Um, this just hasn't happened. I mean, you, you can kind of compare it to the James Harden, and Jimmy Butler situations, but their age and their contract make it different. And then also both of those guys eventually reported, um, you know, they caused a lot of problems when they reported and they kind of basically forced their way out. I don't think that Simmons, it's kind of not in his personality to do that, at least from, from the time I've covered him, I don't think he's got the personality to do that. And I think he still has respect for a lot of the, a lot of his teammates. Um, you know, Maxi is a guy that's also on clutch. And I think it's a guy who, Ben Simmons has kind of mentored, you know, Matisse Stiebel's in the same boat and, uh, you know, and got a, a guy like Danny Green and Tobias Harris, like I think he's got a lot of respect for those guys. And I I don't see him coming in and chucking balls at rookies or, or, you know, leading a scrimmage and screaming at Daryl Morey and Josh Harris. Like, I don't, I don't see him being that type of guy to do that. Um, so yeah, it, it's completely um, unprecedented. And I, it, I, I think, this is a game of chicken and I'm just not sure that anyone's blinking. I'm not sure that anyone's getting out of the way. I think, I believe that Simmons will hold out and I think he'll try to hold out for as long as humanly possible. Um, And I, I think Daryl Morey is going to hold this position. I, I don't think he is going to be uh, kind of like what Dave said. I don't think he's going to be bullied into making a trade because Ben Simmons sits out. I think the deal is, we're gonna play with the guys that are here, and we're gonna move on because uh, because it's what choice do you have? I mean, if that if that's Darren Moore's position, if that's a sixer position. That it's we need to make a championship type move, like a move a move that keeps us where we are, or even makes us better. Or we're not making a move. What other choice do you have then to just kind of go with the guys you have and 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 try to compete? And look, I think they'll be an okay eastern like don't be probably a middle of the pack playoff east team in the eastern conference I, you still have Joel bead who is arguably the best player on the planet and you still have to buy um um you still have a lot of talented players on this roster so you'll you're you'll be competitive especially in the east um it's gonna hurt i mean you know you can't pretend that not having a guy like ben simmons in the regular season who is arguably the best defensive player in the NBA, not having him, it's going to hurt. You're going to feel it in, in in a bunch of different ways, but um, they're still going to be good. They're still going to be a competitive basketball team. So I could see Daryl Morey just saying like, okay, uh, hold out then. And we'll, we'll start Tyrese Maxey and we'll, we'll ride this thing out and we'll see how it goes. So it's, to me, it's, it is a, it is a game of chicken that is just, it's on right now. Like it starts on day one of, of kind of got media day and training camp and it's going to go until one side blinks. And I'm, I'm not so sure that either side is going to.
1: I'm with you. I don't, I don't think Simmons is going to, to blink on this and, and especially with, with, you know, what's, what's going on uh, with Rich Paul and, and clutch and that's not a knock on them. Again, I think he's doing what, what he feels is best in his client's uh, interest. And I've mentioned that before, but um, you did mention one name there that I think will have a huge impact on how all this plays out. Uh, let's take a short break and, and we'll hop into that uh, in about 30 seconds here.
2: Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.
1: All right. And we're back. Uh, as you were mentioning before the break there, Paul, you had talked about Tyrese Maxey and you're looking at a second year player, you know, obviously didn't come in as a, you know, a top three pick or something that he's going to, you know, turn the franchise around, but he's shown his potential, played really well in summer league. And, and a lot of the big NBA insiders have, have mentioned, you know, his importance to all this. So Dave, I have to ask you, how much pressure do you think, how much does the pressure go up on Tyrese Maxey to really step up, and and take the reins as as the point guard now and and it's kind of becomes his team and his offense you know if if if, if the ball and that's the way doc runs the system that you know tyrese maxi has the ball in his hands how much pressure do you think it, it this elevates the pressure on maxi going into year two it's
2: it's kind of a funny question to ask because it feels like we keep asking it of guys who are getting so much dumped on them like the franchise's baggage remember when we went into the bubble and it was like, well, we're seeing some big, big chemistry between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Ben's not going to be the point guard. And maybe it's going to be shake Milton and then Brett Brown kind of walked that back. And all that pressure was on shake. Like you're finally the combo guard who can dribble and shoot and hit pull up shots. Uh, And now it's sort of on maxi's shoulders um, because of the potential, you know, looming absence of Ben Simmons. And it's, probably not fair although it's it's just hard to imagine he really minds he does seem like the kind of guy who doesn't mind the big moment um he he kind of plays with a poise and a smile on his face that makes I, i once tweeted like he's got some jimmy butler energy at wells fargo because he does seem like he loves those big moments he had that huge game six when ben was in foul trouble and they they uh kept the series alive in atlanta So, yeah, there's some unfair pressure on his shoulders that he may well not meet. Um, It's got to be really tough for him to hear his name in these rumors. Like, is he losing events and marketing deals because of the Ben Simmons drama? Okay, no, that wasn't true. Let's make sure that's clear. Rich Paul has his back. So do the Sixers. Is he the most likely player to wind up going with Ben in a potential deal? Because anyone who wants Ben might as well ask for Tyrese Maxey also. Um, it's probably not your usual road, but then again, what what guard has that goes to the Sixers or or big man for that matter?
1: Yeah, and and, and I think that's where that's where this is where this whole situation, as much as we have been talking about it regularly over the last you know three months here, um, and especially ramping up the last couple of months, like like you mentioned, you're looking at the situation for 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 Maxi and 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 for these other young guys now that you're going to have to hope to step up. Like, like, Paul, when, when you're looking at this from, from your lens and, and, and you're trying to check out, okay, what, like, how do the Sixers push this? And you're saying, you know, it's it's basically it's a game of chicken, which I agree with you. It's like, who's going to kind of go down first and say, all right, because with all this stuff coming out, like, Ben Simmons can never come back to play for the Sixers at this point. Do you agree with that, Paul? Uh, I, t- I have to
0: think so at this point, because <laughs> uh, it will be – see – I want to say, I can't, uh, I mean, I will say, I can't imagine a scenario where that happened to this point. Now I I can't, I I can't picture it. I can't picture that. Um, Especially if some of the stuff we see the reports that basically he knows the reaction he's going to get. And that's part of the reason why he doesn't want to be here is because he knows the fan base has kind of turned on him. But at the same time, man, like weird stuff happens. And if you show up and you play and you play well, and the team wins games People will forgive, so I mean, I, I don't, I don't see it as likely. I, I don't think. I mean, I, I again, I, to go back to Stein's um, report, he's saying that behind the scenes there are people within the Sixers still trying to convince Ben Simmons to come back. And yeah, I, I don't see it. I, I really don't. At this point, I think, I think it was already bad. Obviously, after Game Seven and what we saw and what happened in that game, I, I think it was already there. But, but I think he could have. I think. It could have been salvageable. I think it could have been recovered. I think once the word got out that he was demanding a trade, um, essentially, you know, the P- Keith Pompey report that came out a, a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. once that surfaced, I think that was it. I think that's when, like, any fan who was kind of on the fence about it or any fan that may, maybe was defending him, I think that was the nail in the coffin. Um, and to me, like, that felt like, I, Jazz, when you and I spoke about it that day, it kind of, to me, I, my first feeling of that with disappointment. Cause then that to me also sealed like, all right, this seems like it's not going to be reconcilable. It seems like he is really before it seemed like he was amicable to a trade. And now it seems like he is hell bent on a trade. He does not want to be a Sixer anymore. When you, when you put a quote out that strong, um, because clearly this was given to Woj by mm-hmm. Ben's camp. Um, when you put out a quote as strong as I n- n- never intends to play for the Sixers again, that's damning um so like yeah like I, I I it seems almost impossible nothing is but it seems it seems really difficult to imagine him ever playing another game in the Sixers uniform it really does
1: I want I want to get both your opinions on this but Dave I'll start with you how much are you salivating waiting to for him to come back and play play the Sixers as, as, on another team whether that happens this season or, ne- or next season
2: it would certainly be some must-see TV. I think you and I talked about, like, the opening week schedule and who was going to be on what game. And I was looking at the absence of the Sixers on some of these nights thinking, man, didn't they want the potential uh, of either Ben playing, Ben not being on the team, or being being a holdout? Either way, like, there's a lot of drama there.
1: Oh, big time. And, Paul, Paul, how do you think, like, how bad is it going to get for Ben Simmons when he does come back to play at Wells Fargo?
0: Uh, I mean, I'm expecting it to be as ugly as we've ever seen. Like, it's funny because I, when the Al Horford stuff, I mean, he obviously he didn't play, he hasn't played yet um, as an opponent at the Wells Fargo Center since that trade. But I was anticipating that, how ugly that's going to be when he's a Boston Celtic again and he and he shows back up to the Wells Fargo and is introduced as a starter. I mean Ben it's not even going to be comparable nothing compared (laughs) no like it's like like it's almost going to look the Al Horford reception is almost going to look apathetic compared to what Ben Simmons is going to receive and it's going to be vitriol I mean the the biggest thing I can remember and it's I don't even know if it's really comparable but like the J.D. Drew situation with the Phillies like a really long time ago, mm-hmm. that was one of the uglier things I can ever remember in Philadelphia sports happening where, you know, they, they drafted J.D. Drew number one, overall he decides not to sign with the team because they can't agree to a contract. He comes back as a St. Louis Cardinal is getting batteries pelted at him um, in the outfield and is get And just, and they, I mean, Phillies fans boo J.D. Drew for his entire career. Um, and it was intense um, especially at the beginning, but this, I, I, there's like nothing I can think of that can even compare to this. Like this is, I mean, if the, if the Eagles play Indianapolis, uh, and Carson Wentz gets introduced, uh, like, I imagine that's going to be on par with it, but like there, there is nothing. As a longtime Philadelphia sports fan, really my entire life, I, I am having trouble thinking of a single player that I think will even come close to matching the, the vitriol that Ben Simmons is going to receive when he comes back.
1: God, I, I'm actually looking forward to obviously seeing that and, and and seeing how the Sixers respond to this. But you know, like you both mentioned, just you know, people are gonna, yeah, people are gonna, or he's gonna hear it. then. I, I, I wonder how he's only 25, so it's not like you know he's he's just you know grow grown man. You know, yeah, he's a man in, in all sense of the things. But I wonder how he's gonna handle it emotionally coming back too. And 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 you look at this like maybe he and and you know Wintour said that on the podcast. Like I wonder if he just never wants to play in front of the fans again and how much that you Know is is playing into this in terms of his decision making for not wanting to report, not wanting to play for the franchise. So I think you know it will be interesting to see. Maybe he skips the game. Maybe he, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he would, but who knows? Uh I want to get you both out of here on this. Let's let's look at the Could calendar Maybe a load
0: management game, perhaps.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe. I honestly I wouldn't be surprised. I if that was the case that they find a deal for him this year. Um, the likelihood I think this this will carry out into the Sixers will give themselves a month. I think they'll look at November um, you know, see how they're, they're doing in the standings, seeing how they're looking on the court again, you know, Dave, you were, you know, mentioned that earlier. And we talked about, uh, Tyrese maxi and, and, and his importance and how good he's playing. So I I think there's a, there's a bunch of layers to this, that I think we just have to give it time to play out now. Um, he's, he's drawn his line line in the sand that I'm not coming and I never want to play for the franchise again, but I also think Maury will have to take on the patient approach with this, but yeah, I'll get you both out of here on this. Dave, I'll start with you. When do you ultimately think they do get a deal done in terms of do you think it'll happen before December 1st, no, uh no, middle of November? Or are we looking into January? And ultimately, you could pick one destination. Where do you think he ends up?
2: Uh, it's tough. I usually take the over on these things. I've been taking the over all, all summer long. Um
1: hope you didn't take the over in the Eagles 49ers game, though, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were there was no buckets there. Rager had one wiped off. That hurt. Um, I, I guess I would be thinking somewhere in, they hired Jerry Colangelo on December 7th. So let me go with like December 7th. Um, (laughs) I, somewhere around there, I think they, they would probably want to, to just give things a chance to shake out, see if there's any of those teams that, um, that have have something go wrong, you know, is there going to be like a 2020 Raptors and they suddenly stink or like the Warriors uh, and they they're looking for a shakeup and just give some of those things a chance to play out. Um, I don't think that there's a kumbaya moment here. You know, I think they might have held out hope. I'm not sure that it's going to be the case. I do think Ben has kind of hit the eject button on that, like Paul said, and that's why it's disappointing because as soon as the player is willing to openly diminish his own trade value to get out uh it hurts the Sixers potential return as well um and then if I think if you had to pick a landing spot I think all the synergies are there for Minnesota I think even no no matter who the Sixers want to get back whether that's settling for the step trade to ask for something later which seems unlikely today um or they're getting back a star I think Ben lands in Minnesota.
1: Paul what about
0: you? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Dave in that. I have also been kind of taking the over on these. And I, if I'm being honest, I I could see Daryl Mooring waiting all the way up into the trade deadline. And I'm, I, I really don't think that that's impossible. I mean, we see – we've seen it with other players. Like, as much as this situation is clearly unprecedented, we've seen with other players around the league that, like, you know, whether it was, like, Andre Drummond last year or – you know, um, even AD, who like before he got traded to Lakers, he you know he's coming back from injury. And he took would take a bunch of games off at a time. Like, it's not unprecedented for teams to hold players out um, and to be okay with that and to be comfortable with that um, while they're still seeking a trade. So I think it's not the way. It's not it's not what they want. If they don't want him to sit out, that they're not agreeing to that. But I think they are comfortable with him sitting out and waiting longer and longer, as Dave said. You know, you don't know what it's gonna be like. No one would have assumed that Kyle Lowry was would you know that Toronto would have ever listened on Kyle Lowry um last year, ultimately he doesn't get traded, but clearly there were whispers. Um, there were rumors. It, it was you know, the Sixers were in on that. So you don't know what's gonna happen. You don't know what's gonna happen between now and, and you know that February trade deadline. So let's you know, if you're Daryl Morey, it's let's wait and see. Um it's uncomfortable, but I think Daryl Morey is okay with being uncomfortable. I don't think it bothers him as much as it maybe bothers some other executives around the league. And to me, what, what stinks is like, I I feel like the person who gets hurt more, I mean, I I get it. That ultimately if Ben Simmons ultimate goal is to just not be a 76 er anymore, this is his best way to go about it. And he's probably going to get it eventually, but in the short term, I just, I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem to help him at all. And like, what if the Sixers, what if he sits out? and the Sixers start the season like, I don't know, like 15 and two or something. And like, without him, it's just, it's just to me, uh, there's way more downside to that and like hurting his value, but um, that's his decision. I, I'm not his agent. I'm not him and he's got to do whatever he thinks is best. And again, if that's just his ultimate goal is just to get the hell out of Philadelphia. I think this is certainly the best way to go about it. Um, as far as teams, I'm also kind of with Dave that I, I, Minnesota just seems like the team that wants him more than anyone else So that would make sense. But I I want to throw out, and it's a team that I've been kind of saying all along, and it's a dark horse team, but the Spurs just have pieces that make sense in a trade for Ben Simmons. They just have pieces that really um, could help mitigate the loss of Ben Simmons. It's not a superstar. It's not the most attractive deal. But if it gets to a point where they have to take something, and it just gets to a point where, you know, Darren Moore feels like I have to move on – the Spurs do make sense. Uh, I will say this, though, and I, I think I've mentioned this to you before, Jazz, like, we're all kind of talking about all these clean scenarios of, oh, Ben Simmons winds up in Minnesota uh, for a step package, or, oh, um, he winds up in San Antonio and, and the Sixers get a package of, like, DeJounte Mary and Derek White, and, and you know, the, 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 maybe it's, like, an okay trade for them. Daryl Morey has authored some of the weirdest, most complicated trades in NBA history, so... I suspect it's not going to be that clean. It's not going to be that simple. It's going to be something weird. It's going to be <laughs> something complex. And I just – I have a feeling that's weird more like I, – like, I don't know. Like something where Ben Simmons does wind up on Minnesota and maybe the Sixers get like Malik Beasley, but then they get Indiana involved and also get Malcolm Brogdon or you know what I mean? Like just something that's just like off the wall where like they get like multiple veteran players that kind of can help mitigate the loss of Simmons and it involves like four teams. Like I could just – I could just see that happening because you're expecting
2: to be like pretty surprised at whatever we do see.
0: Yes. At least somewhat surprised. Yeah. Like not surprised necessarily where Simmons winds up. Like whether that, again, I I think it will be one of the teams that's rumored and that really wants him. But as far as like the return and all the teams involved, I could see it being a little funky. Yeah. yeah. Do you, can I ask you guys a
2: quick question? Yep. Can, do you guys think the teams will make some character judgments on Ben because of this and say, you know, it's one thing when Butler has one year remaining, but Ben's got four years. Maybe we don't want to tangle with all that.
1: Someone who's willing to do this. I don't, I don't think that, I don't think they'll take that from a character standpoint. I think they'll take that from a leverage standpoint. They're going to be like, well, you know, you guys can let him sit there for four years, up to four years, if you want to, you know what I mean? And, and, or whatever it is, like, I don't think it really is a, is a character thing. And, and Paul I was thinking that well, 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 you were just talking there. Like, it is, you know, and we mentioned this is such an unprecedented situation that you have a guy in this in this scenario as a twenty-five-year-old multi-time All-Star, you know, all the NBA defensive player, and he's got four years left on his deal. So I, I think that it, it, it. I don't think it's teams are going to look at it as indicative of okay, Simmons has a bad character. I actually look at it the other way. I think that um, this shows how bad Ben wants to get out of. Philly, you know what yeah. I mean? And I'm sure it hurt him that, you know, the comments that, that doc made, uh, you know, about him being the, the point guard on a championship team, which again, I don't agree on. I mean, whether doc was just being honest or he was upset, I, I don't think that was the right thing to say at the time. Um, you know, maybe you took umbrage with what Joel said about him, but I, I think where I'm looking at this is, you know, this is a situation where you look at last season and I don't, don't want to compare them because it is still kind of apples to oranges that would happen with Harden is, Harden still found a way to go to the team that he wanted to go to. And it seems like for me, it's like, we've heard this before that Ben wanted to talk, wants to either go to one of the three California teams, which we know they are four. So assuming he <laughs> wants to skip out on, on Sacramento is, is, is he really, does he have any leverage to where he went ends up? Or is he just like, dude, I just want to get the hell out of, out of Philly. Paul, what do you think about it?
0: Yeah. I mean, to me with what he's kind of like the actions of what he's done and what he intends to do. I think he just. I think he just has to be, be accepting of getting out of Philadelphia. I don't think he is in a position to be picky about where he wants. If your ultimate goal is, I just don't want to be in Philadelphia anymore, you can't be picky about the destination. With all due respect to Ben Simmons, who uh, who I still think has a lot of potential, who is a three time All Star, who is I think has a chance to be to win Defensive Player of the Year for the next decade. Uh, all those things are, are great things, but he's not James Harden. James Harden is one of the greatest offensive players to ever play basketball. And it's not like, I mean, the Houston Rockets basically own the the Brooklyn Nets drafts for the next decade. So it's yeah. not like they <laughs> yeah. got nothing in return. I mean, they got a pretty damn good deal and you know, whether, whatever you want to believe about whether Tillman Fertitta ever actually wanted Harden on the Sixers and whether he, you know, whether that was kind of bad faith negotiating on the Rockets part or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, clearly James Harden wound up where he wanted to be, but I mean, Jimmy Butler even didn't necessarily like Jimmy Butler always wanted to be in Miami. Like the Sixers were kind of almost like one of his like secondary choices. Like he didn't mind being here. He he was okay with being here. He better than Minnesota. Um, but long-term he always wanted to be in Miami. So, but I think with Ben, I mean, I, if, if this is how you feel with four years left under contract and you know, you're just going to have to take what you can get, like if you wind up in Sacramento, you, you wind up in Sacramento, man. Like that that's, that's the reality or you wind up. I mean, it seemed to me though, too, jazz, like uh, with all the reports. It seems like he's okay being traded to Cleveland. Cause he's likely going to play with Darius Garland. Who's another clutch guy, blah, 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 blah. Um, if he winds up in Minnesota, him and cat are our boys. Him and D'Angelo Russell are boys. Like they're fine. Like he'll be fine going to like, I don't know the destination. At least I haven't seen, like, of course he said he prefers the California teams, but I have not seen any indication where there is a trade or a place that he doesn't want to go. So to me, like, not only do I think he doesn't really have much leverage, I don't think he cares to have leverage. I think, I think he just wants out. And, and, you know, I think that's as long as the Sixers are accommodating that he's happy. Uh,
1: You know, no disrespect to the the people in Minnesota, but what a downgrade from going from Philly to Minnesota. I just don't know how people I'm like, (laughs) you've heard all these people wanting to go to big markets and being like, I want to go to LA. Like you guys mentioned Jimmy Butler wanting to go to Miami. Uh, you know, New York, Brooklyn, whatever. And it's like willing to leave Philly to go to, you know, San Antonio, great organization that they were, I mean, not, you know, since Tim Duncan and, and those, uh, you know, those guys, Kawhi Leonard obviously have been gone from there, but it's such an interesting situation. Like, and, and I, I you know, I was, I was, I was really curious to know, and I, I had asked Windhorse this just to get his opinion on it is, what was the relationship like between them before all this? Like, how much did the Harden stuff did that play into him being like, "Well, screw it, they want to trade me anyways," and and this kind of was a straw that broke the camel's back. I know we said we were gonna wrap up like ten minutes ago, but there's so much to talk about <laughs> here. So, um, and I don't want to keep you guys too long either. But uh, when you're looking at that, like, like Dave, do you think this was the the final straw for 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 Simmons? Like, uh, uh, there was a buildup of of animosity or negativity towards the Sixers that. The, the playoff loss and how things shook out, that was kind of the final nail in the coffin? Or do you think that he really just did not like the way everything went down in that specific seven-game series loss to the Hawks?
2: I think that was a big part of it. I would, I would weight the Hawks series pretty heavily. Um, I started to feel uncomfortable with the way they used Ben Simmons starting right after All-Star break. I know he was out. He was out with the close contact. Um, but it was around that time where Joel indeed got hurt, and they essentially mated all of his minutes with one of Dwight Howard or, or Bradley. And that's when they, it started seeming like they, they kind of forgot who Ben is. They, I know Doc had a million press conferences defending him, but his words never matched his game plans. He didn't do the things that he did in Utah. Where he unlocked Ben and spread the floor for him, and gave him the ball, and cleared out, and said, "Go make stuff happen." So I started thinking, this isn't this isn't good. Like, we watched Game Four on Memorial Day when Joel B got hurt; and he was out for the game, and it was, you know, in Washington, and Ben Simmons was playing center on offense in a spread lineup. It was just very very bizarre to me. He would go sit in the dunker spot as if Jimmy Butler were here, while the fans are subject to watching like. Tobias Harris and Danny Green try picking rolls together, or Mike Scott, even worse. So I think they were headed towards something uncomfortable anyway. I think I tweeted like their exit is going to be weird long before that Hawk series started. Um, and then I think it played out in that Hawk series where Doc essentially said, I really want to play Ben only with Joel, and Joel is such a dominant force that you want to get him as many post-ups as possible, but that can take... Ben out of a a game and if not a series which we saw Brett Brown used to say like you got to get Jimmy Butler his touches you got to get Joel Embiid his touches you got to get Ben a post up here and there otherwise you don't want them to check out Um, I think Ben given the way he was utilized and some stuff he had off the court started to check out back in I don't know March or April and I think it all boiled together I think he thought to himself you didn't use me right you didn't call any place for me, the kind that I like, I, I sort of lost my confidence and I was going through some stuff off the court. And then you guys kind of threw me under the bus, forget it.
0: I don't want to be here. I think that's kind of how it, how it is.
1: Paul final thoughts from you.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I will say that the, the only thing I would, I, I I agree with pretty much everything you're saying, but I, I would say like, I think it was a game three where against the Hawks where, um, the offense was kind of sputtering a little bit in the first half and then, and they came out and they posted Ben up like almost every other, it's felt like every other possession they posted Ben up and Ben kind of took the game over um, in, yep. in, in game three and they won that game. Uh, so like, I guess for me. And game seven it's Washington or game
2: five, right. the closeout game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I wonder the balance and I'm not like, again, I'm not even saying you're wrong. I, I think you're, you're right. in that I do think some of this falls on dock and usage, but. I'm curious what percentage and I don't think we're ever, we'll are ever ever know an answer, but like what percentage was doc maybe not calling his number enough and using him properly and how much was Ben kind of checked out. Uh, and I think, I think it's mm-hmm. fair to assume that's a little bit of both. And as both things like, and as Ben checked out more doc started calling less warm and as doc called less warm, Ben checked out. You know what I mean? I think it was yeah, like yeah. kind of this like cyclical thing that um, ended up being, yeah, it just, it, it ended up kind of, it didn't make it didn't help. I'll say that um, none of that helped the situation. But I, I'll say this with the James Harden thing, I thought Ben actually handled that extraordinarily well. At least uh, with the media, I thought he answered when people asked him about it, which they did a lot. He answered professionally. He said, "I'm happy to be here. I want to be in Philadelphia. Um, it happens. This is the NBA. It's a business." And like I thought, his responses were great. And I also think that from that standpoint, like if you're looking at, and I get it, like if you're Ben Simmons, of course you're going to take it like a little bit personal because you're a human being. But at the same time, it's not that the Sixers at that point were actively trying to trade Ben Simmons. They were trying to get James Harden, who was one of the greatest offensive players to ever play basketball. So in order to do that, you had to give up a very talented young player in Ben Simmons to even enter those discussions. So at that point, I don't think it was – anything against Ben Simmons. I think it was more, they really wanted James Harden, which who the hell could blame them. Uh, But with this situation, this, I could understand um, just to be a little empathetic towards, again, Ben Simmons and the kind of human side of it. um, I, I, I get why one, those comments. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think they were that bad emotional game seven. I thought some of it was a little bit taken out of context, whatever, but then, you know, the fact that your organization is looking to trade you immediately afterwards and talks to your agent and they, and you're amicable to it. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't want to play. You don't want to work for a boss that doesn't want you there. So, I mean, I, I get it from a human standpoint, from that standpoint. But yeah, it's just it, I guess nothing happens in like a vacuum. Right. And like nothing happens instantly. It, it all builds up. So who knows? It, it's very possible that. Um, the James Harden stuff did bother him more than he let on that perhaps th- the way doc rivers used them didn't help. And that, yeah, that may- maybe perhaps this off season, the rumors coming out almost immediately after the season started, that might've been the nail in the coffin for him.
1: Yeah, oh, either way. I mean, it, this has been just an ongoing saga with him. And, and I, and, and I, I do wonder. And, and like you mentioned, the way he was um, the way he handled the, the Harden stuff. And, and, you know, you do have to look at it just like, man, you know, he takes that dunk or gets fouled on that dunk and whatever the hell it is, instead of passing it to to the or they, they win game seven. How different do you guys think this will be now? This will be the last question. I promise. But how different (laughs) do you guys think it would be? Let's just say, uh, Dave, they, they, they did squeak by the Hawks in game seven. uh, Even ultimately ended up losing to Milwaukee in the, in the conference final. Do you think this, any of this goes on?
2: No, I don't. I think um, there wouldn't have been, you know, I, I went back and rewatched that uh, post, post-game post stuff by everybody. I just don't think the blame would be the, the same distribution level that it turned out to be. I think um, whatever happened in the next series, I think people are over any particular turning point moments, the pass, uh, and they would all just have much less weight, you know. Um, so if they wanted to shop in, if Ben w- wanted to go to them and say it, I think he'd still be willing to play in the interim while they were um, working towards that as trade deadline approach. And I think that's how they would chop him from a position of much more leverage than they have now with this, uh, you know, nuclear option that we've come to.
0: Paul, what about you? Yeah, well, first of all, I have to you, as we're speaking, Ben Simmons apparently posted on his Instagram story a picture of him working out with John Wall. So that's very entertaining to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, he it's I give Ben Simmons credit because like Joel and B, they might be the two biggest trolls in the NBA, which good for them. They get their kicks out of it. It's it's amusing, it's funny. But um, but yeah, um, it, I mean, if Ben Simmons just shoots his career average from the free throw line. Um, I don't even think it gets to a game seven against the Hawks. <laughs> I think they win the series pretty easily um, um, because five, then that, yeah. right. It, like seriously, I, I think, I think they could end the series a lot sooner if Ben is just an, is just an okay free throw shooter. Um, him being historically bad. I think it did a lot of different things. I think one, it gave the Hawks another offensive strategy, uh, defensive strategy to go to, which was just foul Ben. Um, because if you're shooting 60%, teams aren't going to foul you on purpose. That's just not going to happen. Um, but 30%, yes, they're going to value on purpose. And then the other thing I think it did is obviously I think it hurt Ben Simmons confidence an awful lot. And I think that's another reason why I think he kind of shut it down offensively. A lot of times is he knew he was shooting 30% from the line. Like again, uh, he's human, he's human. And he's, he's reacting to what's going on. And when you're shooting that poorly from the line and you know, not to get into it, but as you mentioned, Dave, he's got other stuff going on. That's non-basketball related, I'm sure all these things are weighing on his mind, and all of that I think just snowballed into him having the performance that he did. So I think again, if he's just an average free throw shooter, they they beat the Hawks and they are playing the Milwaukee Bucks. Do they beat the Bucks? I don't know. Um, that's a tough series. That's that's. But did would they have would they have had a chance to beat the Bucks? Yeah, I think they would have had a chance. I mean, because you never know. I mean, get to the next round and see what happens. So um, yeah, it's just it's a shame that that it's it seems as simple as that and there's so many what ifs of that series. Um if Doc Rivers decides to not go all bench so many times or if George Hill looks <laughs> resembles the player he once was offensively, uh things could have been a lot different. But like you said, Dave, I, I think a lot of it gets gets it gets spotlighted on Ben because of who he is, because of the spotlight he already has on him, because of his recent history of not playing well in the playoffs and then the historically bad free throw shooting just it, it culminated and in, in, in it manifested in other ways. And so, yeah, uh, unfortunately we're, it's just a lot of what ifs and it, it's, it leads us kind of back to where we start, which is, you know, it, it seems like this is an untenable situation.
1: Yeah. And, and, and it, it's going to take, I guess, like I, I don't think this, this situation plays out any, any sooner. I think that the Sixers are, are pretty much all digging their heels in the sand and said, Hey, we are going to wait this out. And, and I think the beginning, you know, the first 10, 15 games, are, are going to go a huge way in deciding how this plays out unless Mori gets an offer or comes up with some 19 trade that lands in the pieces that he <laughs> he wants to get. Uh Dave Paul, want to thank you guys for for hopping on with us and and and, and doing this podcast. But like we mentioned, we're going to be covering this uh obviously throughout the entire rest of the uh offseason, which not very long to go here and, and through the preseason. So uh thanks to you both for 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 coming on with me on short
0: notice here. Thanks so much, Jazz. Yeah you got it, Jazz. Anytime man.
1: All right, that wraps up this episode. Like I mentioned off the top, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us anywhere you get your fix, really, on the internet. I don't have to repeal the options. And number two, check out libertyballers.com for all your Sixers needs.